Affairs on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilson, and thank you for joining us this morning. I've been in the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego on a local radio for 27 years. So happy to be here this morning. If you have an investment questions or want a fundamental analysis on a stock that you own or are looking at buying, selling, or holding, please call in at 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973 for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion. And we'll be coming, taking the calls pretty soon. Chase, how are you doing this morning? Good. Good to be here. Yeah, great. Great to be here. You know, we've been off radio for a couple of weeks. It was so hard on Saturday mornings getting up with no show to do. I know. It, it was uh, something that's just been kind of commonplace as you said, for the last 27 years for you and the last five years for me. And, you know, it uh, felt good waking up and, you know, kind of strange not coming into a studio, but actually doing it remote this uh this whole coronavirus has everybody kind of adapting to these new times. Yes, and, and, and that's why I felt so bad for the last couple of weeks not being here helping out San Diego investors because this is a great opportunity investment-wise. And I'm not downplaying the, 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 the sad part of the coronavirus, but this reminds me so much of 9-11, so much of the Great Recession 2008-2009. On the business side, you've got to look at investing now because actually they say you make your money in a bear market. You just don't realize it until later on. Well, it's so important because this is the tough part of investing. This is where mm -hmm. emotions really come into play. And, you know, you see we're down 26, 27, 30 percent in the market. And that's when people start to panic. They say, oh, my gosh, it's going to zero. And we always tell people, if the stock market were to go to zero, you're talking about trillions of dollars wiped out in wealth. It doesn't matter if you have a house. It doesn't matter if you have gold. It doesn't matter if you have bonds or even cash. cash. <laughs> Nothing would be of value if your stocks, especially the good quality stocks, were to go to zero. Exactly. And because you say then the government's going to go broke, doesn't matter what you did. So, But, but let's talk about, uh, first off, we've got things we want to talk about. We will take the calls probably about to 15 minutes. We'd like to kind of give you some important stuff to go over. Uh, the coronavirus is a terrible situation. But we have here in the United States, we really come together. And who's coming together are the drug companies. I mean, just the top five drug companies have $100 billion in cash. And Chase, right now, there's 60 programs working on treatments, 40 programs on a virus cure. And what is so phenomenal is the drug companies, there's no competition here. They are going back and forth with each other, sharing notes. They are going to find not just a cure, but a treatment so that you can reduce maybe the use of the, the ventilators. And all these problems, you come up with a treatment, it will make the coronavirus, the COVID-19, not as dangerous. Well, exactly. And, you know, uh, Jim Cramer from Mad Money, I, mm -hmm. I, I like some of the stuff he says, some of the other stuff he says, don't agree with because he talked about trading and getting more, more investors. But, you, you know, what he kind of has talked about, he said, if you are betting against the market at these levels, you are betting against this country because you are betting against all these smart people in the, the drug area that are brilliant, that can come up with something here. I mean, this is, you know, as you said, it is a tough situation we're going through right now. But again, we have to look at the positive side of this. We will get through this. And, you know, I, I'm not smart enough to come up with the treatment, but I know somebody else out there is. Yes. And especially it's not just the United States. You're talking about the world is facing this as well. So you have other, you know, I know Novartis over in, in Europe, they're working on it as well. It is a world problem, and everybody's coming together here. I mean, you just talked about the U.S. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but no. it, it, it's very important, and as you said, I mean, all those different programs and treatments, 
The other thing we look at, too, is the, the testing capability. I know Abbott Labs, they came out with a test that they believe can actually detect if you are positive for COVID-19 in five minutes. And it'll produce negative results in 13 minutes. But the reason this is so important is because if we are able to start to detect where more of these people are having it, maybe we could return to some normalcy and we can actually help slow the spread of this because you can tell who has it quicker. Yeah, and I just want people to step back to it and, and realize what we're talking about here because, again, there is a lot of hope out there. And, and just think about technology. I mean, we have supercomputers that have now come in to help out, and they can process data so fast. You have these advanced laboratories around the country, and, again, uh, our country, I think, more than others. But, again, the world is helping as well. And such smart scientists, this is going to be figured out, so don't, uh, fold up your tent and go home because the United States is not going to fold. We're going to get through this, and I think quicker than people realize. So there are things out there. Um, l let's move on because we do have a lot to talk about, and I know we, we do have uh, callers going to be calling here as well. Uh, another big thing that came out why we're so optimistic is the government, their $2 trillion stimulus package. Now, to put this in perspective, d back during the Great Recession, 2008, 2009, it took them well over a year to distribute about $1.4 trillion. Now, yes, there's some inflation, but still, we got $2 trillion right here very quickly in the beginning. We will not have a recession. I'm saying that we are not going to have a recession by the classic term of recession, which is continued months of downturn uh, in the economy. Yeah, I mean, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and you'll have a recession by the, the technical definition of a, a downturn, but it, it's not going to be the, the great financial crisis that right. we saw where it's like, gosh, it just seemed like it went on forever and ever. We do believe that this is what we call a V-shape, where you're going to be very quick down, and you see all these negative headlines right now. Wow, this is the highest unemployment level ever, and it's terrifying. And, you know, there's 10 million people that have filed for unemployment in the last two weeks, and it is terrible. And it is way more than, you know, the Great Recession or 2008, 2009, but it is a completely different situation where people are going to be unemployed, I believe, for a very short period of time. It's not going to be, you know, 2008, 2009, where we had a sustained high unemployment rate. It's going to be people become unemployed, and then they get their jobs back quite quickly. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, I do want to argue with that recession thing because the definition of recession by, and I don't have it in front of me. I was looking for my desk. I had it here somewhere. It's two quarters of declining GDP. That's actually the U.K.'s definition. The definition by our National Bureau of Economics, I think is who the agency actually does it, they said it is a recession is more than a few months of uh, a downturn. So people saying, oh, yeah. We're going to have a downturn, we know that, but I don't think it's going to last more than a few months. To me, a few months is three months, so more than a few months would be four months. I don't think we'll have four months of downturn in the economy. <clears throat> I, I think we'll, we'll see with that. I, 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 th <laughs> I, I just think the numbers are going to be so artificial right now. It, yeah. it is going to be so tough to tell because you're going to see GDP, and I, I've seen estimates where you're going to see GDP fall you know, perhaps 30%, which I think very well could happen. But then you're going to see GDP come back, I think, 25, 30%, yes. you're going to see this huge downturn and then this huge spike because the thing we keep talking about is people right now, they're, they're cooped up in their homes. And there's some theories out there that people aren't going to want to go out and they're going to be scared to go out into public because they're scared they're going to contract you know, COVID-19. But once we can actually get through this process and have some positivity where this, this does slow down, I think, oh my gosh, people are going to be going out and spending yep. like crazy because they've been they've been cooped up. And you already talk about this stimulus coming in. 
Now they're going to have money to spend as well. Exactly. Let's talk about the stimulus. $2 trillion coming in again very quickly. And President Trump has said, if we need more, there's more there. And actually, they're talking about another plan. They've been talking more. But, I mean, again, you're talking about $1,200 direct payments for adults, an additional 500 per child. Obviously, tax-free, just coming to people right away. Um, you've got, uh, and that's for people with 75000 2019 <clears throat> or 2018, but above 99000 they'll get it. So just kind of specifying that. But the increased employment insurance, I mean, that is, what, $600 per week additional insurance? Yeah, on top of the state unemployment that, that most people get. So whatever you file on the state un- unemployment side, let's say it's $100 a week is what you would normally get. You'll get the additional $600 for $700 a week. Yep. And, and then you got the $500 billion, billion, $500 billion pool of money available for loans. We got the payroll loans for businesses. I mean, right now, we're probably at the eye of the storm right now. This is the worst time. We're going to start seeing things get better, I believe, in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. We're going to start seeing more positives. So we're kind of giving you the positives now that will probably take effect in the next week or two. Yeah, and I, I don't want to get, you know, people confused. I mean, you know, we, we always keep saying this is a very yep. difficult situation. But, again, you, you can't kind of curl up in a ball here and, and, and not look towards the future. I mean, that's how you're going to lock in these giant losses and, and not have good returns going forward. That's why you have to, again, look at what could happen in three to four months from now because things can turn quite quickly. And, and that, that's so true. And, and also, too, what if they do come out with, again, I said, what, 60 programs? what kind of treatments, 40 on the virus. What if someone comes out saying, and I think I heard this yesterday, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but somebody said, we actually have a cure or a treatment. It was a drug company. And I've not heard more about it. I was on CNBC yesterday morning. What's a credible source? And they said there's a drug company that says, yes, we have a cure. Uh, we're now going to go through testing. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I'm sure if it's true, we're going to hear a lot more about that. But that's what I'm saying is that if that happens, you're going to have such a big boom uh, on the markets, on everything, it's going to change dramatically. We don't know when that's going to happen. Could be on Monday, could be a month from now. But the thing is, you have to be prepared. And, and we'll talk more about this as we take your calls later in the show, where we talk about buying the good quality businesses, the good quality equities, the good quality stocks that you need to put in your portfolio. Oh, absolutely. And uh, as you said, the other thing that that's on top of the federal government is the Federal Reserve. They've also stepped in big time here cutting interest rates, pumping money into the the bond markets, the uh, mortgage-backed securities, which does help with loan rates. So that can help people that maybe want to refinance their homes. That could help with some cash flow. Um, You have seen people allow for, you know, a, a deferment essentially on their loans as well. So there, there's been so many opportunities for people where I, that's why I believe that the cash flow coming into businesses, once we get through this very, very difficult time, it, it'll be a boom like we've never seen. It's, this is going to be a fall that we've never seen followed by a boom that we've never seen before. And, and you know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody yesterday and they said, well, but we haven't got the money yet. And I go, you know, I don't really want people to get the money yet because you can't go to the restaurant. You can't go to the movies yet. I, I can't go out and have dinner. I mean – I want that money to come, and I think it's coming another week, I, I, I believe. I don't know if you heard. It was about three weeks from the time it was announced, so it should be should be about a week. Okay, and, and, and we believe that by the end of the month or early May, I guess the first part of May, things should start opening up again. Well, that's kind of when I want people to have the money so they do go out. And I don't know about you, but I talk to people. I've not had one person saying, I can't wait to get out. I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm cooped up in here. I just want to go out and get back to my normal life and go to the restaurants, go to bars, go to, go to, just go to walk around the mall. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's going to, again, be a big 
big, big time for, for this economy, this country, the, these businesses that have been struggling for so long. Yes, yes. So uh, well, well, let's talk about it too, because one thing that we don't want people to make mistakes of when it comes to investing, and, and again, I've been managing money for 40 years, and we, we do use fundamental analysis, which by the way, you know, Chase, I'm, I'm going to take a, a quick second here uh, and let listeners know about a webinar that we have. Normally we do a live workshop, but we have a webinar coming up on Thursday, April 16th. We're going to talk about our transparent approach to investing how to invest and where to invest your money now, grow your wealth and prepare for retirement. All these things are going to show you how to manage money, how we do it. Also, too, what things to avoid, why you should not be buying insurance uh, as an investment and annuities and, and all these different things make you a smarter investor. It is going to be on, again, Thursday, April 16th. We have four optional times for the webinar, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and 7 o'clock. That's actually p.m. Uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can register there. It is a free webinar. Again, Thursday, April 6th, with multiple times from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. And, Chase, I brought that out. And, again, we've been doing, gosh, I've, I've done workshops for probably 25 years, and I've probably talked to thousands of people, and no one has ever said it'd be the same thing you're going to see in this webinar. It's just that we're not doing it in person because of what's going on. No one's ever said, I knew all this. It is different. It's not a sales seminar. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, we actually show you exactly how we do manage money for our clients and the fundamental analysis and, uh, you know, the details that we actually go into when we are looking at buying stocks. And, you know, buying stocks is not just, oh, I, I heard this name and, yeah, I'm going to invest in it. That's how you make big mistakes, and, and that's how you actually start to panic during times like this. That's why our, our, our proven approach actually keeps us very calm during times like this. Yeah, and, it, and, and, and I took all this uh, many years ago just watching what you know Warren Buffett did, David Dreamen, Christopher Davis. These are gentlemen that did very well uh, long-term investing by investing in companies and not trying to play the stock market. Playing the stock market is a losing game. That's why people say, oh, the stock market is so risky. And I tell people, stock market's not risky. You make it risky by doing silly things. With that, let, let's talk about uh, stocks like Zoom and Teladoc that have soared 80% this year, uh, and even Clorox and Netflix up about 15%. That sounds good, sounds exciting, but that's not the way to go, is it? No, I mean, the thing that people kind of fall victim to a lot of times is they chase these trends. And the reason these names are up, uh, you know, Netflix, Zoom, and Teladoc in particular, is it's, it's this at-home trend. It's, it's these businesses that uh, people are saying, wow, they're going to get this huge spike in demand from the at-home trend. Well, what happens once we return to society? That, that huge demand that you've built up from having this, this at-home type of lifestyle it's going to dissipate slightly. And Zoom will pick up new clients from this. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're, 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 they're doing a good job. But it's just way overhyped, and people, they, they get sucked into the hype of the stock market rather than looking at what things are trading at. And, and it's so true. I mean, and you have to look at, and, and we look at the valuation ratios. We'll go over this for you a little bit here because we know we have some new listeners here. We do have existing listeners, but it's so important to understand what you pay for a company. And I think it was, uh, let's see, was it Zoom is trading at 50-time sales. I just try to put this in perspective for you. We look at what you pay for earnings. So if you have uh, 10 times earnings that you're paying for a company, you know, it's a P.E. ratio, uh, that would tell you it would take you 10 years to get back what you pay for that stock. Well, we're talking 50 times sales. 
you're never going to get back what you pay for that stock. And it's so important. This is why people lose money investing in stocks because they get crazy. And as you said, they follow the trends. You've got to look what you're paying for a business. That's what you're doing. Buy a small piece of a large business. Yeah, I mean, kind of put it in perspective as well. You, you kind of gave a good example there on the earnings. But if you look at the, the history of the, the market, you know, the, the longer term average for, you know, earnings for forward earnings, it's about 16.2 times earnings, not sales. 50 times sales is just outrageous. And it, it reminded me a lot of, you know, the tech boom, where that is where trend investing really took off. Because you had people that were chasing the trend of dot-com. People were going after those names that were internet names. And you had these companies trading at valuations that made absolutely no sense, but they were part of the trend. Yep. What happened in 2000, 2001, 2002, they fell 70, 80, 90%. Many of them are not even around today, and people lost so much money. They lost their shirts during those years because they got sucked into the trend of investing. That's why it's so important to look at the fundamentals and what you're paying for the valuations of the company. Never, ever, ever pay 50 times sales, and you could gamble on it perhaps right. and make, you know, let's say another 20%. It could go higher. We'd never know where that top is, but it, it's called the greater fool theory. You never want to be the greatest fool that pays the <laughs> highest price and gets stuck with a stock that falls against 70 80%. That's right. And, that, and I brought up Clorox. And they, they, were, they are a little bit different because they are a, a good story. They are going to be around afterwards. But because this whole situation with people buying what is quote-unquote hot, uh, they're trading at 30 times earnings, which, again, used my analysis before. Based on the current earnings, it would take you 30 years to get back what you pay for the stock. It makes very little sense to do that, but people will do it, and, and, and it's happened. I've been doing this for 40 years now. I've seen people do it like, oh, yeah, I got it, and so forth. I'm so happy. And then we talk about Microsoft. Microsoft back in, what, early 2004, it took, what, uh, 15 years, was it? I forget the number, maybe you remember. 15 years for it to get back to break even. It took a long time because you paid such a high price. You never benefit by paying a high price for a business, also known as a stock and an equity. And as you mentioned, you're, you're looking for a greater fool to pay a higher price than you did. Yeah, and I, I mean, you point out Microsoft, but that's not even my favorite example during the tech boom. Which one is? I, I like to look at Intel oh. and Cisco. The crazy thing about those businesses, and, and that's where people get confused, is a business can be a great business, but a terrible stock. Cisco and Intel were not bad businesses during the tech boom by any means. They were just way too expensive. Had you invested at the peak for those two companies, you're still not to break even. Right. You know, you're talking 20 years later, and you're still not where you were at 20 years ago. And Intel and Cisco, again, great companies back then, still great companies today, but you just can't overpay for those companies. That That's where people make the biggest mistakes. Yep, and actually those two you mentioned, they could be buys we'll see if somebody calls in about those today but they could be buys because of, of what happened with a pullback so um all right uh, well let's open the phone lines now uh eight eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three again the phone number to call in is eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three let me get a quick analysis of what we do here because what we look at again we talk about what you want to pay for the company well we look at the valuation ratios very simply what are you going to pay for the earnings the sales the book value the cash flow very important it pays a dividend which we like dividends but how much of the earnings does the company use to pay that dividend very simply we look at what the sales growth has been year over year what about the earnings growth year over year? We're looking at all these different important things like that. Uh, and, and again, this got me through 2008, 2009. I'll get us through this as well. It's called the financial strength of company. 
how much liquidity does the company have in terms of the current ratio. And we look at their debt compared to equity. You do not want to be buying high debt companies now because they may not be able to weather the storm and go bankrupt. We look at the return on equity. We look at net profit. Very funny because it's such a basic thing. Is the company you're buying, do they have a profit? Maybe people don't even know. We check to make sure they have a profit. And then lastly, we look at the efficiency of the company. How are they doing? The receivable turnover. How about the inventory turnover? Two very important factors that can kill a business. Chase, what do you look at? Yeah, so of course you, you just kind of want to look at the, the range of the company, where, where the stock's been trading. And we're not technical analysis either. We, we don't follow again, oh, that crossed the 200-day moving average. Our, our whole philosophy is, again, we're buying businesses. We, we don't get wrapped up in the, the stock market game. But we do like to see where the current price is compared to its 52-week high and 52-week low. People at times often ask, well, how do you find good businesses? To be quite frank with you, oftentimes we'll look and see how far off they are from their 52-week high and see if there is a good value opportunity. So that's why we look at the range of the stock price. And then the other thing I look at is we look at a target sell price. And the way we get our target sell price is we'll go out a year and a half to two years. And what we look at is the average estimate of all the analysts for the gap earnings per share. And GAP stands for Generally Accepted Accounting Principles. And very important that you look at this number because what that is is it levels the playing field for all the companies. Companies also do report on what's known as a pre-exempt basis where they can back out stock-based compensation, currency fluctuation, pretty much anything they want to back out as long as they put it in a little footnote that nobody reads. Every business has to report on the GAAP standard, so that's why, again, we like to level the playing field and look at GAAP earnings per share. Once we look at the GAAP earnings per share, that average estimate, we apply a 16.2 multiple towards those earnings per share. So again, I kind of alluded to that earlier, but that is the long-term average for the forward PE multiple. So we always tell people, you know, it could go to 18, 19, 20 times future earnings, but the higher and higher that multiple goes, the more expensive that business becomes, and we believe the riskier it gets as well. We'd rather sell it at that long-term average and look for something that's trading at a better multiple of 10 to 12 times earnings. And let me tell you, right now there's a lot of businesses that you can look at that do trade at a, a very reasonable valuation, also have very good financial strength. Before it was very hard to find businesses to buy. Yeah. Right now very, very, I don't want to say easy, but uh, there's a lot of them. Yeah, and it's true. If you <clears throat> look back six months ago, just like we're saying, gosh, you know, all these businesses are so expensive. We want to find something to buy. We can't. Well, now with a pullback in the market, there's very good quality businesses on sale now. And doesn't mean that tomorrow they're going to go up in price or even next week. But when you invest, you should be investing for the longer term, looking at where I'll be 12, 18, 24 months from now when you invest in a business. And that's so important because a lot of people get locked up into, uh, again, as we talked about, well, I want to buy what's hot right now. And I want to buy the, the Netflix. And again, Netflix. Great business, but we've talked about this one. There's so many things behind the curtain, so to speak, that would really destroy Netflix down the road. And people say, what do they talk about? Well, I, I do remember there was a saying a long time ago. It says the accountants will, uh, the meek accounts will inherit the world because we know what's going on behind the scenes. When you look at Netflix, there, there's just, uh, we've talked about their amortization policies and all these different things that they have that people don't understand and all they see is like Netflix here, Netflix there, and they pay, what, $12 a month for it. Well, and I was thinking with Netflix, um, you know, for new listeners, maybe let's break down that stock how we normally would, um, you know, kind of go through all those fundamentals to give people an idea of that. And, you know, our current listeners from uh, that, that have listened to us for years, they'll, they'll kind of understand the following, but sure. hey, it'll be something new for, for those people. All right, well, let's do that. Uh, Netflix, their trading symbol is NFLX. Now, just starting off here, the P.E. ratio is 93.9 
well above the industry at 9.7. Price to sales, 7.9 versus 1.7. We do see price to book value, not material, which means that their liabilities exceed their assets. So there's no value to the company if you take away all the uh, uh, the debt and the, ass uh, the liabilities from the company. And price of cash was expensive as well, 14 versus 8.9. They do not pay a dividend. Now their sales do look very good, up 27.6% year over year versus the industry at 12.8. Earnings per share year over year climbed by 47 when the industry is up 27. Now here as we get into some problems, the current ratio for uh, Netflix is 0.9 versus one for the industry. And that means they have about, what, oh, probably about 10 months where they can pay off the next 12 months of liabilities with their 12 months of uh, assets. We do see that debt to equity, 195 versus 120. Things go the wrong way for them. They're gonna have a lot of debt and they still gotta pay those interest payments when uh, things are slowing down for them. Return on equity, 27 versus 21, that is good. Net profit margin, 8.6 versus 17, so not as good as the industry. And then receivable turnover, I'm surprised on this, is only 7.2 versus 7.5. Chase, why don't you tell us about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so the current price here for Netflix is $361.76. 52-week high is $393.52. And the 52-week low, again, well off that, $252.28. I look forward to December 2021. I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $8.33 would give us a target sell price of $134.95. It just shows how grossly overpriced mm -hmm. Netflix is here. And the thing that I have never understood with Netflix is people talk about, oh, well, their growth in subscribers. The frustrating thing that I kind of look at on the other side is, well, you're growing subscribers at, what, 12 bucks a month. They're spending billions and billions and billions of dollars on content. There is going to be such a long lapse for them to recoup a $12 billion subscriber, yep. or excuse me, not $12 billion, a $12 oh, subscriber right. <laughs> a month to recoup that billions in uh, content spent, not to mention the advertising and so forth. It is just, in my opinion, a, a very overpriced company that, that has provided a nice service, but I don't think the service even provides that great of value to the business. Yep. And, and again, we, we say great business, but just overpriced. Again, you want to call in, you got a question on a, a stock that you own and not sure if you should buy it, sell it, hold it. Phone number 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go out to Alpine and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, uh, good morning, guys. Welcome to the FM world. Well, thank, thank you. you. And uh, it's good to hear your voices again. I, uh, I missed you for a few weeks, but uh, hope you guys can stand talking for a full 50 minutes without all those pesky commercials to give you breaks now and then. <laughs> We're excited about that, yes. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about the realty income and uh, there are 4,000 plus commercial properties across the state. I've got some commercial properties and my tenants are asking me for some rent, uh, you know, reductions for a month yeah. or two. And I'm just curious what that might do to some company like Realty Income. Okay. Well, let's take it to Realty Income Corporation. Their symbol is O as in Oxford. Uh, we do see a high start here. P.E. ratio 31.6, well above the initial 11.9. Price to sales 10 versus 0.9, so that's very expensive. 
Price to book value 1.8 versus 0.7, and price to cash flow 14.5 versus 39. So that is positive compared to the industry. Now we do see you get a 6.4% yield, but they're using 195% of their earnings to pay out that dividend. So that's rather pricey. Not sure how they're doing that. We do see sales are up 12.3% year over year below the industry at 20.4. However, Earnings were up 9.9%, and the industry was down 189 So that's a big positive there. Now, with REITs, it's a little bit different on the balance sheet and so forth, but we got no current ratio versus 0.56 for the industry, and debt to equity is 81 versus 265 So that's a positive there. Return on equity, not very good, 4.9 versus 5.4. Net profit margin, however, very good, 29.3 versus 7.8. And we see receivable turnover is 9.1 versus 8.2, and inventory turnover 1.6 versus 0.5. Chase, tell us about the earnings going forward. Yeah, well, current price here for realty income, or again, ticker symbol O, is $43.60. Uh, like many other businesses right now, the 52-week high was $84.92, so well off of that level. And the 52-week low is $38. Now, if I look out to December 2021, we look at FFO, which stands from Fund from Operations, different than earnings. The reason we do so with REITs, is they have a elevated level of depreciation, which is a non-cash expense, and they also have other types of expenses that are kind of unique to the real estate world. So that's why we like to look at funds from operations rather than earnings when we're evaluating REITs. But in 2021, FFO is two dollars, excuse me, no, three dollars and sixty-three cents. That would give us a target sell price of fifty-eight dollars and eighty-one cents. Pretty good estimated uh, target return here of thirty-five percent. Interesting thing here I look at, though, is uh, I want to understand the businesses. As you kind of mentioned there, uh, Jim, is making sure that people have enough cash to kind of get through this. You said some of the tenants, of course, are asking for a reduction in their rent. I look at Realty here, and as of the end of 2016, 99.5% of their tenants were single-tenant properties. I would want to really understand who are those tenants. Are they in a business that they can actually kind of get through a downturn like this? Uh, maybe provide some of that that rent to realty income. Uh, very important to understand the balance sheet, see how much cash they have. What are the operating expenses for realty? How long is their liquidity going to last them during this this downturn? Hey, you know, Jason, I looked at that real quick on the balance sheet because uh, they only have $54 million left in cash. I say left in cash for some reason. Uh, in September 2019, they had $236 million. So that's a big drop in cash. That would worry me on realty income. What are they doing? Why don't they have that cash there? Maybe, uh, you know, could be a problem there. And if you're doing this yourself, I think, as you said, um, you have the same issue. You've got to make sure you have enough cash because this is a difficult time frame, and you know that some people are not going to be paying your rent. All right? Or did we lose them? Sounds like we lost Jim. Uh, lost Jim. Well, shoot, Jim. Well, I hope that to help you out there, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> you were gone there. So, all righty. Well, well, that opens up the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Frank. Frank, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you out? Hi. Um, we own uh, Disney. Uh, it's now below the price that we bought it. We bought it oh, probably two years ago. And um, I know that they're hurting as far as their theme parks. I was wondering, uh, what do you think the valuation is right now? 
All right. Uh, well, let's go over to Disney. And, and by the way, Frank, how much percentage-wise does it make up in your portfolio? I bet you less than 1%. Okay, so I mean, if we look look good here, you might be able to add to it. Is what I was kind of thinking there. So let's take a look at Walt Disney Corporation for you, simple as D I S. Uh, not a bad start, but not a great start. I mean, PE ratio fifteen point eight, but the industry is at nine point seven. Price of sales still expensive, two point three versus one point seven. Price of cash flow, 11.3 versus 8.8. And I think Disney got kind of high before they pulled back, but they're still not. Don't look to be on sale yet. Uh, we do see you get a 1.9% dividend yield from Disney. They use 32% of their earnings to pay that out. Now, sales year over year were up 26.5% above the industry at 12.8. And we do see earnings per share for Disney dropped by 18% when the industry is up 27, so I don't like seeing that. Uh, their balance sheet, they got a current ratio of 0.8 below the industry at one, so I'm not really thrilled on the lack of liquidity there. Debt equity, 54, very good because the industry is at 120. We do see return on equity is 14 versus 21. Net profit for Disney checks in at 13.7. That is below the industry at 17. And receivable, receivable turnover is 5.5 versus 7.5. And inventory turnover 31 versus 15. So that is positive. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Oh, well, current price here for Disney, $93.88. Uh, again, well off its 52-week high of $153.41. 52-week low, though, still $79.07. Now, unfortunately, if I look forward to September 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $4.62. That would give us a target sell price of $74.84. So even oh, at the current levels, it's yeah. still a little bit high. And one thing I was going to point out as well is even if I look at the pre-exempt level and what happened was Disney did complete that acquisition of Fox. I think a lot of those gap earnings and the decline in that comes from probably acquisition costs and the uh, the effects yeah. of actually merging the two companies. But even if I look mm -hmm. at the pre-exempt level, $5.45, I would still get a target sell price at $88.29. And I think what happened with Disney here is I think they got wrapped up in, again, that trend-type investing where they're part of the streaming world. Now they're taking the Disney Plus online, and they're going to take all these people from Netflix. And all this hype got built into the stock. I think it got Be overpaid. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think it went too fast, too far. Or too far, too fast. Too fast, too far, yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm kind of disappointed because I was kind of excited about it, and I've not looked at it, so I'm glad we looked at it together. I was going to say, yes, you probably want to buy Disney, but I, I can't say that. I'm, it just doesn't look like it's positive going forward, Frank. So yeah. it, it's almost a sell. I agree. Yeah, and it, 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 could, it could recover, of course, yeah. but I, I just think there's a lot of other better buys out there than Disney at the current time. All right, Frank. Can you handle another stock, or are you busy? No, we're busy. we got about uh, quite a few more callers there, so I have to apologize. I have to call back next week. We'll, we'll be here for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Frank? Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, that does open up the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And let's go out to John. John, you're not smart. Vet. You're on the smart visual, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning. Hey, uh, Brent, I saw something you put online the other day about Carnival Cruise Lines. Yes, uh, I've got a, a very small position in it, uh, and it's not so much looking to buy any more of it at this point. It's whether hold on and ride it out, or maybe take the loss and wait for a better time to get back into it. 
Yeah, let me kind of share with the audience what, what we did there on our post. And again, people can follow us on uh, social media. Uh, uh, what, is, what is our <laughs> smart, smart investing with Brent and Chase on uh, Facebook, uh, Brent Wilson on LinkedIn. Uh, but what we posted was because I want to show people that everybody thinks that the entertainment, the travel industry is just dead in the water. Uh, excuse the pun because we're talking about a cruise line. <laughs> yeah. But um, what it actually showed is that uh, Carnival Cruise Line said, you know, we're going to raise some cash here to weather us through the storm. They wanted to raise initially was $3 billion through a, a debt offering. Well, when they went to the markets, it went as high as $17 billion oversubscribed. And it's like that just shows that they're not dead in the water. They're, these uh, travel companies will come back because $17 billion versus three. And I think they did step in and get, what, $6 billion was it, Chase? Yeah, so they have $6 billion, and they're running at a, a cash burn rate of about $500 million a month. So that, that, that tells us, excluding anything they had beforehand, not including their, their $3 billion credit revolver, uh, they have about 12 months now of liquidity from this, this capital raise. So, I mean, if you think that we are going to be in this for another 18 months and Carnival will not attract any new passengers during that time frame, yeah, they'll go bankrupt. But if we do return here within the next couple of months, and that doesn't even include the fact that they have actually had 39,000 new 39, bookings yep. and 44% of their prior bookings have opted for a credit rather than a cash refund. That also provides liquidity. So I think they could actually get along here for about 18 months without taking on any new bookings and not go bankrupt. And, and let's look at the, the numbers here for you as well to show you other, other things on it. Now, some of these numbers uh, was just partial because this is ending uh, February uh, 29th, so that's just when things started. But uh, kind of looking at Carnival Cruise Line, their symbol, by the way, is CCL. Uh, P.E. ratio, very low, 3.1 versus 13.6. Price to sales, 0.27 versus 1.69. Remember we talked earlier in the show about uh, who was that one company? It was 50 times sales. I forget the company. It was Zoom. 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 Yeah, 50 times sales. You're talking for Carnival Cruise Line, 0.27 uh, times sales. Price to book value. This is amazing. 0.27 for the tangible book value of this company. That means all the ships and everything else in there, you're paying 27 cents on the dollar. Price to cash flow, 1.4 versus 7.3. Now, their dividend yield, which has been cut, uh, I think if things go well, they'll come back, but right now it shows 23.5. At the time, they were only using 55% of their earnings to pay that out. Again, the dividend has been cut, but I think they can bring that dividend back maybe later in the year. Uh, sales were up 8.4% versus 6 for the industry. Earnings did decline by 38% when the industry was, was up 12.7. The balance sheet, very important. Now, current ratio is 0.27, versus one for the industry. And, and smart people want to say, oh my gosh, that's terrible. No, because anytime they do a booking uh, for a passenger for a future cruise, even though they receive the money for it, that actually becomes a liability until they actually cruise uh, on that ship there. Uh, debt to equity is very strong, 53 versus 101 for the industry. And again, we know that's going to be changing coming up because of all the change they've done recently. Return on equity was 7.7 .7 versus 21. They had a net profit margin of 8.9 versus 12.3. The receivable turnover is 44 versus 7.5, and inventory turnover 27.8 
versus 2.6 for the industry. And Chase, I, I think some of the earnings may have been updated, but, but let's see what they got there. Yeah, of course. So current price here for Carnival is $8.49. 52-week high is $56.04. And gosh, I, I know even as recently, a couple of years ago, it was high as $70. So I mean, it has yep. just, of course, been decimated due to this pandemic. Uh, 52-week low, though, $7.80. I do believe that analysts will probably continue to update these forecasts. But right now, if I look out to November 2021, I see estimated earnings share on a gap basis, $3.73. Give us a target sell price of $60.43. And I think if we can get through this pandemic quicker than people anticipate, you're going to see Carnival be one of the biggest winners in terms of stock price appreciation. And Chase, for November 2020, they, they, I see it's $2.43. So I think they have brought that down. And we will see the rebound in 2021. So we'll, as, you, as you're right, I think we'll see that come down more. But maybe not 2021 come down. Maybe those earnings will stay at that. So yeah. does that help out, John? Yeah, sure does. I just, like I said, number one, I hope they can pay the coupon on all that debt they took. And uh, number two... Yeah, it's just it's, it's painful now, but uh, hopefully we can get through it. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. Have a great day. Bye-bye. And I did want to kind of talk about that that coupon. It is a little bit higher interest rate than we we're uh, kind of hoping for yep. with uh, that, that debt level. But I kind of look at they have suspended the dividend. And I think that kind of replaces the dividend, but gives them immediate cash right now. So it's not so much a cash outlay like the dividend, but now they do have a little bit of that cash to pay that interest rate. Right. So once we get through this, we believe that they'll take in a lot of cash because these businesses generate very, very strong cash flow. I know before this, they've had positive cash flow, positive earnings every year since 1989. You're going to see that come back online. They could pay this debt off quite quickly and not have to worry about that high yield as well. Yeah, and, and again, they've got a lot of cash on the balance sheet now that because of what they've done. So uh, they're set probably for at least till the end of the year if they do no cruises and get nobody. And they already got, what, 39,000 people that have signed up already. So I, I, I think it's a, it's a sleeper is what I think. Yeah, and I so. think they'll be fine as well. I mean, President Trump has also talked about helping out the cruise lines. Mm -hmm. Carnival Cruise Line says we didn't actually go to them for any help, so I think we'll be okay on our own. But if any stimulus does come in for them, that'd be more gravy for, yeah, these, uh, it, for this situation. It would be. Uh, if you if hear what we're talking about and you're not sure exactly what we're saying, what we do is we do normally workshops, but because of the current situation, we're doing webinars. And the next webinar is going to be Thursday, April 16th. And on that webinar, we're going to show you our transparent approach to investing, how to invest, and where to invest your money and grow your wealth and prepare for retirement. I'll show you many different things. It probably lasts about uh, 60 minutes, I believe, is what uh, how long the webinar lasts. Uh, it is going to be, again, Thursday, April 16th. We have four available times, 4 p.m., 5 p.m., 6 p.m., and 7 p.m. There is no charge for this webinar. What you need to do, though, is sign up. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting 2000 Com. All right, let's go back to the calls here. Let's go up to Oceanside and speak with Don. Don, you're in the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Uh, yes, good morning. Uh, I am interested in Cisco. Actually, I bought a few shares uh, a week or so ago, and uh, you had talked about that and Intel. So I wanted to get your opinion of Cisco. 
Great. I'm so glad you called about this one because it is, a, I think, a great company. And I want to check the numbers, make sure nothing's changed on it. Because I, I thought Disney was great. And we are the numbers like, oh, no longer buy. <laughs> so let me check before I say on Cisco, great buy. Then we check the numbers here for you. Again, company is Cisco Systems. Uh, uh, symbol is CSCO. Uh, good start, P.E. ratio 14.2 versus 24.9 for the industry. Price of sales, 3.2 versus 2.4. Now, price of tangible book value, this looks strange, 11043 versus not material for the industry. So they seem to have a lot of intangible assets on their balance sheet, which you want to be careful of because those could be written down hurting the equity of the business. We do see that uh, cash flow is 12.1 versus 10.8. You have a dividend yield, and I don't believe they're cutting this yield. It's 3.7, and they only use 50% of their earnings to pay that out. Uh, sales year over year were up 1.4%, industry up 7.2. Earnings per share climbed year over year for the last 12 months 5.8%, when the industry is only up 2.5. We do see on the balance sheet current ratio 1.8 versus 1.9. That is positive. Debt equity 45 versus 88. That's very good. But remember, a lot of intangible assets on the balance sheet. Uh, return on equity 31, uh, double the industry at 15.7. Net profit margin, very good, 23 versus 9.7. And the efficiency, uh, we have receivable turnover of 12.8, well above the industry of 5.4. And inventory turnover 12.2. Also, double the industry at 6.5. Chase, what about the earnings? Of course. So, a uh, 52-week high for this company is $58.30. 52-week low is $32.40. And that current price here, $39.06. I, I did kind of want to pull up a long-term chart of it because it is one we talked about at the beginning of the show. It looks like, gosh, during the tech boom, this company hit a, a price over $77 a share looks as high as 80 so again you're not even close to where you were had you bought it during the tech boom uh, but again kind of looking at where we are now if I look at a target sell price going out to July 2021 I see estimated earnings for share on a gap basis $2.90 will give us a target sell price of $46.98 so it would actually put it in the hold category for us here on Cisco because it's just about 21% away from that current price with that said, I, I do have a little bit of a bias here towards Cisco. I think it is going to be a safe business to invest mm -hmm. in at these levels. I just don't think it offers as much return potential as a lot of other great businesses out there right now. And Chase, you did mention the 52-week low is $32 a share. So maybe be patient with it because maybe it will go back down a little bit. Again, in this volatile market, we don't know what's going to happen. So this is a time to get your companies you want, pick your buy price, and be patient with them. So. Yeah, we, we've kind of looked at, at this company as a, a wish list company almost. Where yep. you set a price for it and you say, if I could get it here, wow, that is just phenomenal. But, you know, if you miss it, there's a lot of great other opportunities given the current state of the market. Exactly. Does that help out, Don? Uh, that helps a lot. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks for calling. Don't be a stranger. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line. 833 288 0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's head out to Massachusetts and speak with Jeff. Jeff, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, guys. Hey, welcome back. It's good to hear from you guys again. Well, good to be here again. <laughs> Very good. The stock I'm calling about is Skechers. Do you hold that or looking to buy it? I just uh, I bought a few shares. I've been looking to buy some more. I've always kind of liked that stock. It always kind of goes up, uh, and then it goes back down, but it goes up again. But I think now's the time where everything's 
kind of, you know, depressed to maybe, um, you know, stop looking at it a little bit more seriously. You know, I'm so glad you called this one because I, I, I looked at Skechers about a year ago, and was, I think it was pretty low. I, we didn't buy it. It went way up. And I'm thinking, I was in the Costco the other day, and I saw a Skechers pair of shoes. like, wow, they look pretty nice. Maybe I should look at buying this company again. So let's take a look at the Skechers USA Incorporated symbol, SKX. We do see a good start. P.E. ratio, 9.6 versus 24. Price of sales, very good, 0.7 versus 2.5. Price of tangible book value, 1.5 versus 10.7. And price of cash flow, 6.3 versus 24. So all the valuation ratios look very good. And on top of that, the sales looks pretty good here as well. Last 12 months, year over year, sales were up 12.5% above the industry at 7.4. Earnings per share climbed by 21.5%, double the industry at 11.7. The balance sheet, wow, current ratio, 2.3 versus 2. Debt to equity, 5.2%. Wow, versus 28 for the industry. That's good. This is a wild company so far. Uh, mm -hmm. Return on equity is 15.9. Oh, well, industry at 38, so that's the first negative. But 15.9 return on equity, not bad at all. Net profit margin, 8.2 versus 10.4. And we see receivable turnover, 9.1 versus 8.5. And inventory turnover, 2.8. That's slightly under the industry at 3.7. Chase, I'm pretty excited about this company. What are the earnings looking like? Yeah, of course. Well, looking at the current price at $21.64, uh, well off 52-week high of $44.50. So uh, as you said, there uh, could be a good opportunity, Jeff, as it has pulled back substantially along with a lot of other businesses. Uh, slightly off its 52-week low as well, $17.06. But uh, again, I'll, I'll add to the wow factor here. I go out to December 2021. I see estimated earnings share on a gap basis, $2.43. Give us a target sell price of $39.37, so pretty substantially higher than the uh, current levels here. I, I like this business. Mm -hmm. um, I like that it's the brand. It's not a store. You know, mm -hmm. they, they have that, that brand name and that brand recognition. Uh, I, I think it could be a, a good one here, Jeff. And, and Jeff, you know what I also look at here is I'd also look at, too, to see what their online uh, business looks like because I have seen them on Costco. I think they're in shoe stores, but we like companies that do that but also have a good online store as well because when things slow down like they do now people might turn directly to that so check out their online store make sure it's a good one easy to navigate and that people are going there already all right so we have a winner then huh i think we have a winner i, I kind of like, like it. it yeah yeah <laughs> all right all right guys great all right jeff thanks for calling bye-bye okay guys take care now bye-bye Bye-bye. all right that opens the phone line 833 Zero nine seven three. Before I go to the next call, I do want to talk about the webinar one more time. It's Thursday, April 16th. It is free. We're going to talk about and actually show you our transparent approach to investing, how we do fundamental analysis, all these things we're talking about here. We go in more detail of how we do it, how to invest, and where to invest your money, and also grow your wealth and prepare for retirement. We'll show you all these important numbers and important facts to help make you a smart investor. But what you have to do is you have to sign up Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com, smartinvesting2000.com. And again, it's Thursday, April 16th, four times on the webinar, 4 p.m., 5 p.m., 6 p.m., and 7 p.m. And it is free, no cost to you at all, but you got to sign up. Again, smartinvesting2000.com. Look forward to seeing you then. All right, uh, let's go back to the calls. Yeah, we got more time here. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Ray. Ray, you're in the Smart Investor, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, Brent. I was calling on American Airlines. Ah, you guys think okay. it's a good time to buy? Well, do you hold that, or are you just thinking about buying it now? Just looking to buy now. Okay. Well, let's take a look to American Airlines. 
group is actually what their real name is here, symbol AAL. We do see a P-E ratio of 2.5 versus 3.6 with the industry. And we expect the whole industry to be this way. Uh, price to sales, 0 0.09 versus 0 0.27. Now, here's the problem. Uh, price to book value, and just regular book value, taking all the intangible assets, not material. That When you take away all the uh, liabilities from the assets, there's no value to this company at all. That does kind of scare me. Uh, price wow. to cash flow is one. Yeah, is this guy, that is a wow on the bad side. Uh, price to cash flow, one versus 1.7. Now, they show a 4.3% dividend and only using 11%, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be stopping that dividend very quickly. Uh, sales year over year up 2.8%, not as good as the industry, up 4.2%. Earnings per share did climb by 25 not quite as good as the industry at 28 And here's a real problem again. Gosh, current ratio 0.45 versus 0.54. They have no liquidity. There's no debt to equity because there is no equity. So you've got to check the balance sheet, which I might try to do when Chase is doing the numbers to see how much debt Air American Airlines is carrying. I think it's a pretty high amount, which scares me. Uh, no return on equity because no equity. Net profit margin, 3.7 versus 7.5. And we do see receivable turnover is 26.5 versus 22.8. And inventory turnover, 10.5 versus 15.1. Chase, tell us about the earnings going forward. You sitting well, over there. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to steal your thunder over here. Oh, I, I was just itching to look at the balance sheet. And uh, <laughs> I look at the equity. There is a negative equity of $118 million. Total debt level here is now $24.3 billion. So they have wow. a, a, a nice debt level uh, as a as an airline they filed bankruptcy before I, I think mm -hmm. um, you know they might kind of get out of this maybe with the cash grants but this does scare me because this airline is just heavily indebted and I know they've kind of done some different mergers and acquisitions but it, it's just it's a little frightening uh, yeah. but oh, go ahead but and I was gonna say that that debt has been there even a year ago it's been oh, 21 yeah. billion dollars or 24 billion dollars so th they're worse off than they were now because of the situation and this is why you look at companies that have low debt because even with the government assistance I, I don't really want the government to give them any money because they're not gonna be able to pull out of this situation yeah and I mean I, I do kind of want to look at the valuations here uh, before we we give our, our final opinion sure. on it but uh, current price is nine dollars thirty nine cents fifty week high is thirty five dollars twenty four cents and fifty two week low nine dollars and nine cents I look out to December two thousand twenty one I still see they do have estimated earnings share of four dollars and seventeen cents it would give us a target sell price of sixty seven dollars and fifty five cents which wow looks phenomenal but again that that debt I just don't know if they're gonna make it through this I think like we talked about with carnival I think there are some phenomenal opportunities in the airline industry where you could have some big, big winners here two, three, four years from now. But I think this one is the one of the, the most risky yeah. airlines at this time. Yeah. And I was going to say the same thing. So much risk because of that debt on the balance sheet. And, and is the government going to give them more than everybody else? I don't think so. Um, I, it would just worry me too much. Uh, I, I would say there's other better airlines. And I mean, you look, you have Delta, you have United, you have Southwest, you have you know these other big airlines. And I, I've I've been a pretty negative person on American Airlines just because it has been so heavily indebted, and I think there are other great opportunities in the airline industry, but just American's not my favorite here. Yeah, is that pretty clear, Ray, or, or, or are we too vague? Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I got all I got all that actually. I, I'm taking some short positions, and I'm trying to buy some stuff that I think's got some upside. Um, I liked American Airlines just because of the brand, the na the name brand. And, of course, the government uh, possibly helping out. But uh, I agree. I, I don't like to invest with a lot of debt, so you guys gave me some really good info there. 
So I uh, appreciate you guys, and uh, thanks for all your help in that informative uh, info. All right, Ray, thanks for calling. Have a good one. All right, you do the same. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, let's head out to Terrasana and speak with Doug. Doug, you're on the Smart Invest Show with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, guys, uh, I got to tell you, the audio quality on FM is uh, – a lot better than AM. But, uh, <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thanks for letting us know that. We appreciate uh, that. I <laughs> um, uh, wanted you to take a look at the Penske Automotive Group, PAG. All righty. And do you hold that or looking to buy that? No, looking to buy. Okay. Uh, coming again, it's Penske Auto Group Incorporated, symbol PAG. Great start here. PE ratio 4.4 versus 19. We see price to sales. Uh, is at a 0 0.08 versus 0 0.73. Price to book value, 5.6. Half the industry at 10.9. And price to cash flow, 3.4 versus 10.4. Now, they are paying a 7.3% dividend. Only use 30% of their earnings to pay that out. So maybe that will survive. I've not heard anything yet on that. Uh, sales, 1.73. Below the interest, 2.4. Earnings per share down 4.4 versus 4.7. And what's important here is the balance sheet. And uh-oh, we got a current ratio of 0.98 versus 1.3. That's okay. But debt to equity, 228 versus 72. That does worry me. Return to equity, 16 versus 25. Net profit margin checks in at 1.9 versus 3.8. And receivable turnover is 24.5 versus 24.7. And inventory turnover of 4.8 versus 3.5. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, well, current price here is $23.03, 52 week high $53.81, and 52 week low $19.99. I look out to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis $5.51. Give us a target sell price of wow, $89.00. And twenty six cents, and I did want to comment on that that debt level. This company yeah. actually uses what's known as floor leasing. So when they have these vehicles coming in, they're they're high, you know, price type uh, product. They actually kind of have to borrow from the future to sell them. And I wrote a newsletter on this last year, actually, which is on our website that kind of further explains the floor leasing. Have to take a, a closer look at the balance sheet once again to make sure it is still safe in terms of the operation of the debt level. But I, I'm not as worried about that high debt to equity with a company like this if their floor leasing is in check. Yeah, so important to I look deep at those numbers. So, Chase, thanks for that because that does give the details. I know we kind of got a little bit excited about it before, too, didn't we? Yeah, and because yeah. I, I want to say most of the time when we get a debt to equity, of 200%, we say absolutely not. But I don't want to say no on Penske Automotive just yet. I would want to, again, take a closer look at that balance sheet. There could be some opportunity here. Yeah. There you go, Doug. Does that help out? Yeah, I know, yeah, I know the, 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 the industry, particularly the retail car industry, I think is going to get absolutely you know decimated over the next few months. But I know that they're, they're, they're also diverse. And um, I'm, I'm sure you're, fami you're familiar with the namesake of the company. Yes. Uh, their management team is, is you know very deep. Yeah. Yeah, lots and, of good brands. Too. Yeah, lots of good brands. And again, just understand the balance sheet. Uh, I, I think based on what we looked at before, it looked pretty good. Could have changed now. So take a little, little look. But I, I, I think there's some potential with this company. Yep. All righty. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Doug, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. Well, I'd say that opens up the phone line, but I actually only got about another minute left here. So uh, very, very happy with today's show. And again, the comment about the FM being better than the AM. Thank you for that comment. Yeah, so. yeah I'm, I'm happy. We're, we're glad to be back. You know, it was a, it was a yep. lonely two weeks without our listeners. <laughs> Especially this time, because this is a very difficult time for investors. And this is when, again, we're unbiased. We don't have any, you know, uh, we don't have any bias. Yeah, we don't have any <laughs> bias here to say this is a good company, bad company. We're just out here to let you know. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's what we're here for. So uh, we'll be here every Saturday, uh, 9 o'clock. Hope you can tune in uh, because we're here to kind of help you out and understand. Again, don't forget about our webinar that's coming up April 16th. Uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. There's a closing bell. I mean, the end of our show. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for information purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858 858- 546-4306 that's 858-546-4306 and please visit our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com and for more daily educational information along with investment tips go to our Facebook page Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey today's show is sponsored in part by Thomson Reuters This program is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 97.3 The Fan. Radio.com Sports Station. Hi, I'm catcher Austin Hedges of the San Diego Padres. The Padres play here. 2-0 Padres. RBI double. Austin Hedges, a six-game hitting streak. And you're listening to the home of the Padres, 97.3 The Fan. Ten-time WNBA All-Star Tamika Catchings, four-time NCAA of the Year, Eddie, and former Rockets head coach.